As an immigrant, I understand the uniqueness and challenges of our journey. We relocate to Canada for different reasons, but we all share one thing in common. We are looking for a better life. Unfortunately, that is not always the reality. My name is Paul Hadier. I am on a mission to provide you with the resources that will help you to succeed as an immigrant in Canada. In every episode of this podcast, we will learn from successful immigrants, entrepreneurs, will be sharing their stories, their mistakes and lessons. We will also touch on money management topics such as budgeting, debt management, credit score management and much more. Let's get to it. Cheers to a life of abundance. Hi everyone, welcome to the Thriving Immigrant Podcast. My name is Paul and I'm excited to be here. My guest today is an inspiring trailblazer with genuine love for people. Her name is Moyosore. Moyosore Solikshonaye is a dual qualified lawyer she manages a Canadian law office, Moe's Law Office, which practice areas are immigration law and mental health law. Moyosori has worked as a civil servant most of her life in Nigeria at Lagos State Ministry of Justice and in Canada at the Brampton and London Courthouse. She's currently working for the Government of Canada and herself. She holds a Master's of Law degree with a thesis focused on health law from the University of Leicester, United Kingdom. She enjoys writing and has successfully written and produced three indigenous Yoruba movies, namely Ebimi, Ashepamo, and Ishipo, which are on YouTube and DSTV. She is a major positive influence on many foreign trade lawyers through her Instagram page, Ninja Lawyer in Canada, where she organizes mentoring and Q&A sessions that assist foreign trade lawyers in their licensing journey. She was not restricted by the fact that she herself was still on the licensing journey. She organized three mentoring sessions for internationally trained lawyers in June, July, and August 2018 totally free of charge. It is a huge platform for foreign trade lawyers to come and learn from the experiences of other foreign trade lawyers that have been called to bar in Canada. Each session was a huge success with tremendous and positive feedback. Many internationally trained lawyers have asked for more sessions since then. Moyosori has written multiple articles for Global Lawyers of Canada speaking about our licensing journey to inspire other foreign trade lawyers. She spent time volunteering for courses she believes in. She was a director of the vibrant group of professionals called Network of Nigerians in Canada, NNC. Her 12-year-old daughter is the author of Amazon bestseller, The Story of the Missing Peace, which is available on Amazon, ebook, and paperback. Join me in welcoming Moyosore Sodik. 
Thank you, Moyo, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> right. I'm just going to go straight to it. I've read your bio and I'm inspired by a lot of things that you've shared. And this is just a short version. It's not like the entire bio. But can you share a little bit about your background? Of course, I know you migrated from Nigeria. Who is Moyo Sore yes. and what motivated you to move to Canada? Well, so I migrated from Nigeria. I'm an Igbo woman. I got married to a Lagosian. I'm very proud of my Nigerianness, my Yoruba roots. Um, you already spoke about my professional background. So yes, I practice immigration law. I also practice healthcare law, mental health law specifically for now. Um, I'm a very restless person, so I double into into a lot of things, and that's why I also have the three movies, the three Yoruba movies. I like to write. I love creative writing. Um, I love law. I love to learn. That's something about me. I, I like to learn new things every time, every single day. I want to learn a new thing. I think it's something that most people should do. Like if you're conscious about learning new things every day, it would really make you, um, you know, adept at a lot of things. Right. Thank you for sharing. I love the last part. And I love the part that you said you are, you are restless, which makes you double to a lot of things. And I think it's a good one. And I love the fact that you said you love to learn. And that's the only reason why a lawyer would be in the middle of a lot of things. So my last question, the second part of that question is, what motivated you to move to Canada? Did you ever think of traveling? Was it out of frustration or out of trying to explore new things? Um, so even till now, part of my hobbies include um, traveling. So I, I've always loved to travel. So I've always had the chance and I've been opportune to travel for a while. I think since 1998, probably. Yeah. Um, so since I've been traveling since 1998, I've never had the plan to stay back, stay out of Nigeria. I always calculated, you know what? Let's go back home. Let's go back home. And it's always been with a plan to return home. So I never really thought I would migrate. Um, but a series of events, including medical incidents, happened. And so for me, that was like the breaking point. I always tell people when we speak that you get to a point that, and this is people that are interested in migrating, not everyone anyway. Everyone has that point that they just decide I can't do this anymore or mm. I need a plan B. So for me, it was those events and then the mad medical um, experiences I had. So I was okay already by the time I didn't need any medical help or anything. I was already medically okay. But the experience made me like, what, what if, what if, you know, it made me to have this introspect and uh, decide that I think I need to <laughs> start to have a, a plan B and, you know, I enjoy both worlds. Right. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people can relate with your story because if I start asking everyone, why did they move to Canada? I, I agree with you that some experiences we actually trigger that move mm. like, let me just have an option B. And like I tell people, most people that come to Canada, they are well-to-do people back from their home countries. And it's not like they were not doing very well at the point they left, but they just felt like 
let me try something new. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, so moving to a new country can be a significant life change. In your case, you'll be traveling all around the world, but what were some of the biggest challenges you faced during your early days in Canada and how did you overcome them? Um, I mean, the old concept and idea of starting over as an adult is, is a lot. It's, it's not easy. Um, it's, 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 you have a lot of things to consider as an adult, just picking yourself up from where you've um, built a foundation and coming to, you know, plant a new foundation in a new country and start over, you know, show, show, show yourself in a way that you get recognized. The professional licensing, for example, you know, being called in Nigeria, I was a lawyer in Nigeria, senior state counsel with the government. And then you, you I had to move to Canada and nobody's going to really acknowledge you as a lawyer. You're not a Canadian called lawyer. You're not a barrister in any of the law societies. So you have to start over. So that in itself alone, it's a lot. It, you have to write multiple exams, like adult education. Right. <laughs> write multiple exams. You have to cross multiple orders, do so many things, network, all the things that you, you normally wouldn't need to do when you're back home, right? You you have to do to just um prove that the education you're coming with is not it's not below average it's actually a very good standard and i think um, a lot of the nigerian lawyers are really representing showing that our education is top-notch in nigeria too and i mean some other issues are probably as a mom as a wife you realize that it's not just about you so it's not just the fact that you've moved to a country that has winter which you are not used to or you don't like, you also have to worry about your family and know that they are also probably going through some emotional stress that's come with um, moving all the way to, to Canada. So also the, you know, coming to the professional part again, I, I, I did some administrative work. I did some customer care job jobs and I had to unlearn a lot of things and I had to relearn a lot of things. I remember during, during one of my sessions with my supervisor when I was working in RBC then, and because I'm someone, I'm so polite, generally polite. And we Nigerians, technically, we always say sorry for everything. Like someone falls down, oh, sorry. Someone eats their head, oh, sorry. So when I'm, when I'm picking my calls and people call and complain about things, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry about that. They have to call me and say, ah, Mo, you're sorry for everything. Are you the one that caused it? So that was a major unlearning process for me, knowing, realizing that, okay, in Canada, when you keep saying sorry or when you say sorry, it means that you are accepting that you caused that thing. Right. And that's totally different from what we know back home. Sorry, it's just, it's just you being polite. It doesn't mean that you caused it. You're just empathizing with the person. And that's what I thought I was doing. But no, um, they told me the, the, the Canadian version of the empathy is that, oh, it's too bad that you're going through that, you right. know, rather than, oh, so sorry about that. that because if I say sorry, it means that you're telling, you're you saying that the bank is, is responsible, responsible for that. I'm like, so that was an interesting uh, part of my professional development here. And also tooting your own. Um, and in Nigeria, I'm not someone that really 
toots my own or talks about myself. It, it, it was a lot of courage to unlearn that. And I'm still in that process because sometimes I just, you know, they teach us to be humble, just, you know, don't talk too much. But in Canada, if you don't praise yourself, if you don't mm. toot your own, you are on a long thing. You have to be able to tell people what you are capable of doing and stand on it, be confident, you know. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And you are very right because I know in Nigeria, I remember when I was in the university, the people we... You just see the result pasted and you'll be like, who, who has this metric number? Who, who, is this, who is this guy? And they say, he's one small guy, one corner there. Like, you know, the guy doesn't talk. You don't see him. You only see his results. But in Canada, it's different. The exam itself is like 20% or less. So it is your interaction with your fellow students, with your lecturers. So I think the way they teach them in Canada, they teach them to be able to express themselves and yes. it's like a culture so some of us struggle with that when i also started my first job in canada it took me a while before i could call my manager by his first name yeah same here i couldn't even say it and i would say buzz buzz one at one point he called me and he was like i'm embarrassed when you say buzz i feel embarrassed and and i was embarrassed that he said he's embarrassed so Call me, just call me by my name. That's how everybody does. Yeah, so thank you for sharing that. I know that for people that are still new in Canada or for those that are planning to come to Canada, they will take note of these things and it will help them in their journey. Now, my next question is You founded Niger Lawyer in Canada while you were also in the process. And I'm curious about your courage. Like, what were you thinking? How did you think you could help even in the process? Because you mentioned that you, of course, you are busy. You came here with your family. You have three daughters. And at what point did you feel like you could do this? And why did you start it? Well, I guess... Um, I felt that people should not struggle so hard to get the information that we needed to get relicensed. And because I struggled a lot due to lack of information and not enough help, I figured that that's a very, that's a very negative narrative. You know, it's a very negative narrative. Like the narrative right now is just try, try and try and try and try keep searching, go and check, go and this. Like nobody is really trying to go out of their way to help. And I'm not used to that. Like we, we rise by lifting other people up. So right. if I've gone through a pathway and I experienced odds and negative things on that pathway, I'm going to, from when I get to where I'm going to, I'm going to turn back and use a loudspeaker to shout, be careful, oh, when you There's get to this junction, jump. There's a ditch there. That is that. That's me, and I think that's how you know life would be better if everyone would give back that way. So for me, even though I had not completed my my licensing journey, I felt that all the mistakes I had made in between that time, it's worth saving someone else from making those same mistakes. Mm. And I, at this at that point, social media is 
kind of like the main place that everyone would go. I never, to be honest, when I was creating the, the, the page, I didn't have any expectations whatsoever of it. I just said to myself that if what I'm sharing helps one person, then I'm okay, I'm good. So far as it's helping someone and I, I made a lot of goofs. I no no I didn't have enough help. So I was just doing things. I was like a blind mouse, just trying mm -hmm. to navigate the licensing process. And I just figured, just try to help other people, put the information out there, let them know what they're going to do or what they have to do or how to maneuver. Don't let them buy so many textbooks. I bought a lot of textbooks that were not really useful. And so if I'm going to save people a couple of five of five hundred, like five five hundred bucks or one thousand bucks from buying it, that textbook because it wasn't really that great. I mean, that's 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 something. So yes, it was courageous of me because I really didn't know what I was doing myself. But um it's also something that I, as Nigerians, most times we always keep things. We, we we postpone when we want to help, like okay in, let me save enough before i do this for myself or let me uh let, let, let me postpone when i will tell people or let me postpone and i'll help people no if you did this process yesterday and you know that that information you got yesterday is going to help someone today or tomorrow then just just let the person know help them so that's mm -hmm. just that was my mindset i just wanted to change the narrative of oh welcome to canada well just start doing something and over time you get more information and know the process. No, I wanted it to be that with the information that we share, even before you land in Canada, you would have done a lot of the licensing process ahead, you know, and, and we have a lot of people that have done that. We have a lot of people that finish their NCA exams before landing in 19. Canada. Can you beat wow. that? You know, so th all those things won't, 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 won't happen if people were not willing to share their stories or people were not willing to mentor and, you know, share their experience. Thank you. I'm not a lawyer, but on behalf of all the lawyers that benefited from what you do, I just want to say thank you because Canada is a beautiful country, but I think it's tougher for professionals. And when I say professionals, I mean professions that are regulated, that you need license. Because we have a lot of smart people that were doing very well in their careers back in nigeria or back from their own countries and they struggle to get their license we have doctors we have pharmacists we have lawyers we have engineers and at some point some people get frustrated so i'm just trying to imagine how many destinies you've been able to help by just doing this so that's a big one and thank you once again thank you so thank my next you. question is an interesting one for you, when you moved to Canada, did you notice anything different about their financial system? Or was it very easy for you to just integrate, to just continue your regular financial behaviors? Or did you make any mistakes? Or is there something you would like people to learn about the Canadian financial system? Ah, it was very different, though. <laughs> it was very, very different. Uh, I think the first thing that hit me was how credit is used. I'm not in Nigeria. Like, why? There's nothing like credit. I don't like credit. I run away from credit. If I if, I, if I'm owing someone, I won't sleep. Eh? And I, so I don't do it. I'm not someone that's credit oriented or is okay with doing things. No, no. 
So coming to Canada and seeing how reliant almost everything is to credits. You want to get a phone, where's your credit score? You want to rent a house, where's your credit score? You want to do, buy something, your a car, where's the credit score? Everything, credit score, credit score. I was like, hey, oh God, what's going on here? <laughs> so, so there was a lot of relearning in that regard. Like you have to be comfortable with getting credits, uh, returning the credits within time and that would help you build your credits so i would in short there were so many things there was a period i would always be checking the credit score almost every every, every day week. and i was like you checking that credit score you register your score i say hey <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of funny funny things that happen regarding finances a lot i also remember the first time i got and I got some an utility bill. I think it was eating or gas. And the bill came 357 for the month. Oh my wow. God. I had tears in my eyes. How <laughs> <laughs> could you convert it to Naira? You shouldn't do that, but uh, I I the Jebu area. I go oh yes. Oh, it is me. I converted it to Naira. I was like, God, one month, 357 ish. <laughs> I ran wow. to the group. I was like, please, oh, I'm the only one getting three digit uh, utility bills. Is this normal? Then on top of that, I was I stayed in Brampton for a while. And we all know that Brampton has very, very high car insurance, auto insurance yeah. um, premiums. I just could not understand. I was getting 400 or something dollars, 300 or something dollars in our household alone. Me, my husband, my brother, I think my sister to our, around that time, we're paying over two thousand as car insurance, insurance, just car insurance on the month on a monthly wow. basis. So that's 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 just crazy. So there's a lot of things that <laughs> that were different. There are a lot of financial issues that were different. There's a lot of a lot of things I wanted to learn and um, get used to. There was a period I was always checking my my bank account every single day because. I, I remember, I think I got overcharged by maybe the internet provider once. And if I had okay. not caught it, they charged me 200 and some, it is something or so. And when I asked in the group, thank God for this community that we have. Like they said, sometimes they do that, call them and let them know that there's a mistake. And mm. I did that and they refunded the money. So in my mind, I was like, hey, so if I didn't check and I didn't see this 200 and something charge, that's how they would just take that money like that, you know? So... There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of um, financial differences in the system in Nigeria and in Canada. And one has to be very, very careful. Be very careful before you sign any contracts. Right. I'm a lawyer, so I guess I'm technically careful most times. But this is just a general advice to people. Be very, very careful. I've seen some international students that asking you know my social media on the comment section as i say oh um the school doesn't want to refund my money even though my visa was refused and things like that and i say did you read the did you read the refund policy hmm. did you go to the website to read the refund policy are you you need to be very careful nigeria is not canada canada is not nigeria you know read everything read the refund policy before you put your money in to avoid stories that touch. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. That's very important. And I've learned a lot too from that short story. I remember when I was going to get internet 
And the lady said to me, they're on promo. It's because you are, you are talking about reading the contract. So he said there's a promotion going on. And I think I was meant to pay $120, but I'll be paying $39. But it's a two-year contract. So when I got the contract, I looked through it. If I can't sue before that two years, I'm going to pay the real amount for the number of months that oh, wow. I left. Oh, Lord. So I imagine if I didn't read it and there was a need for me to pull out of that contract, in fact, it's safer for me not to use the internet and just be paying the promotional exactly. amount. Exactly. <laughs> so it's important to read contracts in, in Canada. Exactly. Yeah. So as a, as a, Immigration lawyer and as an immigrant, that's why you you are unique. You are unique guest on this episode. The Canada's population is forty million recently. Would you say immigrants are contributing to the Canadian economy, or what do you think? Most definitely. To me, that's 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 that is definitely where well, immigrants are positively being injected into the system and it's kind of a symbiotic relationship canada gets something the immigrants get something so i feel that most of the immigrants that are coming to canada are experienced professionals in various fields they're contributing to the canadian talent pool the economy the canadian development people are paying their taxes you know they're working and they're paying their taxes um can canada's gdp continues to grow even with the covid pandemic covid 19 pandemic you know right. as a setback well we're still growing because if you look at the demand in the housing markets for example you see that you know there is more demand than there is supply even yeah. though it's actually costly you know so if you also look at it from the perspective of international students they're not it's not the education is not cheap at all People are paying very high tuition, and that's that's also adding to the economy. So I, I feel that um, immigrants are really, really contributing positively to the Canadian economy. And Canada has a high aging population, so mm. it, it does need this contribution. That, that's correct. I, I read an article that mentioned that the Canadian economy makes about $21 billion annually from international students. That's how much they pump into the economy every year. I'm not sure that figure, but I think it's $21 billion. And that's a lot of money. It's huge. It is a lot of money. It's huge. Wow. And you know, the interesting thing is after, even while these guys are in school, most of them are working. Yes, I'm paying taxes. Paying taxes. When they graduate from school, either get a better job or they start a business which eventually yeah. they employ people paying multiple taxes yes. yeah so i agree with you that immigrant immigrants are really contributing to the canadian economy okay thanks my next question you mentioned your nigerianness like you are this i don't want to use the word cultural but you you appreciate your culture and many immigrants face the challenge of balancing their cultural heritage with their desire to assimilate into the Canadian society. How have you managed to embrace both aspects of your identity? It's not been hard. 
it's not been hard for me. I mean, if, if you love yourself, you love your heritage, you love your culture, that it, it, it doesn't take much effort. Like, it's just you, you know. Um, uh, I feel like, so far as you consciously keep the positive aspects of your culture, I must say my, my culture is all good. There's nothing that's 100% perfect. There are some imperfections. So I wouldn't rely, I won't dwell on the imperfections. I'm dwelling on the positive things. And anytime I'm able to show it off, I, I show it off. I unlearn the negative ones. And the good thing about Canada is that it's not, it's not, it doesn't have just one culture. It's a very multicultural country. So you, right. you even get to learn from many other people's culture, not just one person's culture or this culture. There's, I'm always fascinated and very interested to learn about other people's culture. And so if I see something that I feel is positive from other the culture of other people, I'm going to, you know, make it my own. I'll personalize it and 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 add it to what what I already use in my own, you know. So culture is very important. Um, even though I talk about culture, it's very unfortunate. For some reason, I'm not good with languages, including my language. But I still went ahead and made three Yoruba movies. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's... just weird. You tried it. So weird that you do <laughs> I was so particular that it has to be Yoruba movies. And that's just part of what I mean when I say I love my culture. Like, I, mm. I love that I'm a Yoruba girl. My Yoriki is a baby. I oh, love shit. it when people call me a baby, you know? like And I, and that's how I do it with my kids, too. And I think sometimes they just read off it. If you keep talking about your country negatively or you keep talking about your culture negatively, the children will just take it, take it from you. But oh. I, I remember the first time my my daughter was cor correcting a teacher. No, my name is not Coin. My name is Coin. Mm. I was mm. so proud because to me, that's what I mean. Like they, they are seeing what you do. They are picking it from it. And they end up being so proud of their culture too. And um, so I, I, I think it's a conscious effort. When I'm at work, no matter where I'm working, when they say it's Black History Month or it's a um, cultural month or whatever, what what do you want to do or what do you want to show? I'm always there. I'm always there. I remember the last Black History Month, I brought a, a black people like drums, the, yeah. the, 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 the kind of drum that talks and talking drums. Bang, 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 bang. I brought the drum and I said, this is from my culture. We oh, love wow. talking drums, you know, things. I would take every opportunity to teach you about my culture. You know, it's, a, it's a something that you just have to know. So I guess it's, it's just a conscious style of living. Thank you. So I just speak the good ones and I pick mm. the bad ones. Thank you. I really appreciate what you said about the culture and I love how you are intentional by picking the good ones and talking about the positive, talking more about the positive of your culture. And it takes me back to when my son was asking me about Nigeria because I'm not sure if he has any memory. We came here when he was two. And he was asking me about Nigeria, and I told him, oh, Nigeria is good. He was asking, do they have snow? I said, no, that there's no snow in Nigeria. <laughs> and he was like, oh, wow, are you saying it's all year summer? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's all year summer. So at that point, I didn't even know that all year summer is a big deal. But to him, because it's been six years winter, maybe six months <laughs> winter and some months for summer. Yeah. So when I said there's no snow, we were like, oh, are you saying it's all year summer? I'm like, oh, wow. So that's true. That's one good thing. 
It's all yes, really so nice. I want to go to Nigeria. I said, okay, fine, you go to Nigeria. So thank you for mentioning that. Talking about the licensing for maybe new lawyers or aspiring immigrants that are lawyers, I, be ask, I want to ask you two questions. The first one is, how lucrative is the law profession in Canada? Because money is important. Hey, this question, no. Oh, let, me, let me start with, <laughs> with um, lawyers' favorite answers. It depends. Right. And uh, lucrative, and the reason that it depends is that lucrative means different things for different people. What is lucrative for me may be different from what is lucrative for you. But I'll talk about my personal point of view because um, if I'm to compare my legal practice in Nigeria, um, I worked for the government. If I was to compare what I earned as a lawyer in Nigeria and compare what I earn in Canada, let's just say I'm beyond satisfied. Hmm. That's deep. Okay. Maybe I switch to law. I want to be beyond. I want it's to not too late. That feeling of beyond satisfaction. Okay. So lawyers, if you want to be more satisfied, please work more on your licensing. And I know that Canada, we Canada is strong by provincial laws like you know every every province with their different laws so is the licensing is does it vary by province or is it just one general program so there's like two steps if not sometimes more than two steps right but the first major step is a federal one it's national right that's the nca exams so everyone has to do that. No matter which province you are, you all have to do that same NCA exam or get a get a master's degree in a university that covers the NCA exam um, models that you have to, to do, right? Um, so after that national one, then you now move down to province. So that's where it becomes a provincial matter. And for me, I was in Ontario and... So I had to write the barristers and solicitors exam. And there's also articling in Ontario. However, right. one of the positive things about articling in Ontario is that if you can show that you've had up to 10 months of legal experience from a Commonwealth country like Nigeria, right? They can waive it for you totally. Or you can request one abridgment to reduce the how long the articling is going to be. Right? So that's Ontario in a nutshell. I remember that COVID happened around when I was writing my barristers and solicitors. So I'd written the barristers and it, it's the, at that time it was seven hours. The exam is seven hours. Oh it was God. seven hours at that time. Sorry. It was seven hours. I, I don't think I've had to face something like that before. It was seven hours. <laughs> and but things changed after COVID, right? So the, so when I wanted to do the solicitors, it was the COVID style where you do it at home. And I think they had cut it to like four hours or, or okay. something like that at that point. So I'm, I'm so grateful to have had a taste of both, both the, the COVID style and the post-COVID style and the pre-COVID style of the bar exams. 
it's something that will always go with me, like knowing that I sat down for a seven hour exam. Oh Lord, I'm mm. see. <laughs> so that's, yeah. That's a long um, and in some other provinces, there's something called prep. So they have to do prep. And some of some of the provinces don't give full exemption to articling. You must do articling. And sometimes they can give you an abridgment. It just depends on the province and the style. Some provinces want more. Some people, some provinces will have by exams and prep. But I find that many people, even though they are living in other provinces, will come and get called in Ontario because I feel like Ontario is just so straightforward. Uh, the the barristers and the solicitors exams are multiple choice. Crazy okay. because they will always like two two answers that are so close and so similar. You will be so confused. Hmm. And so yeah, it's it's an interesting process. And talking about the lucrativeness. Another thing I used to ginger myself, though money is, is not the most important, it is also important. I remember sometimes I'll be frustrated when I'm reading and preparing for the exams. I'll be so exhausted, but I'll say, Moyo, you've targeted going to page 30 today. So even though you're exhausted, just try to reach it. I'll, I'll be feeling so demoralized. Like, what is all this? I will just pick my phone, type in lawyer salary in Ontario. When I see it, I will go back to that page 30. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's, 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 wow, that's a good one. That's a good way to motivate yourself. Like, yeah, this is the goal. And mm -hmm. maybe that's even the average salary. You can even make more than the average. Exactly, yeah. Okay, that's good. Thank you for sharing. Okay, I love that part. Right. So does that mean that a, a, an Ontario licensed lawyer cannot move to maybe a better or new broad speak and start practicing. We didn't need to write another exam. No, they won't need to write another exam, but they have to go through some administrative process, a mobility process. They are moving from Ontario to 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 Alberta. I have a couple of friends who are now tri qualified because they, they got called in Ontario, then moved to Alberta to to practice. So there's just some administrative work to be done there. And right. um, they will transfer the, all the details that you need, and then the person will be called. But you I can't just go fair. there. Just yeah. Okay, that's fair. Right. Thank you. My next question would be: Can you relate with this statement? Immigrants are always second-class citizens. Do you think immigrants really thrive in Canada? Um, I can't relate to that that first part immigrants are second class citizens um i i kind of believe in you are what you say you are right mm -hmm. so i think it's a, it's a mindset kind of thing if you feel that you're a second class citizen everything you see would be from that interpretation that you already had in your mind but if you don't say that and you look at yourself as equal then everything everyone does will be seeing it as from the perspective of I'm not a second class citizen. So your mindset really matters. I, as an immigrant, I, I, I grew so fast from when I landed in 2018. I grew so fast. I can categorically say that I didn't experience that kind of growth in my country, Nigeria, where mm. I am not yeah, a second-class citizen. Do you understand what I mean? So um, this is no disrespect to Nigeria in any way. It's just trying to explain and put perspectives to this 
these quotes. What do you mean by second-class citizen? If I came here, they look at my merits, they look at the work I, I do, and they give me positions, high-level positions, because my education and my experience can get it. I don't need anyone to, 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 to do anything. It's on merit, right? So if I can get that, then there's no, there's, I, I don't see myself as a second-class citizen. I see myself as equal. And I really respect Canada for that. I respect that the what can you offer and they mm. let you show what you can offer and you get a fair chance. It may not apply to every single aspect, but in more in most situations, I always tell people that government jobs on the um, Ontario public service, it's so fair. Apply for the jobs in the proper way. You will get, I got over. I'm sure I got over eight eight invitations for tests, for uh, for interviews during um, when I was applying for law clerk or law uh, court court um, court reporter court and client representative. I got interviews for everything, I, and I went for almost everything because I, I I figured that if I don't get this one, I I would have a feel of how the interview process is, and I can prepare subsequently. And I did get the job. I I got the role, role multiple roles, so I had to. Tell them I'm not taking this. I'm not taking this one. I would go for this one. So, and I was still in school at that point. I was doing my paralegal Imagine. program diploma. So, was it that easy for me to get into Lagos State Ministry of Justice? I think not. So, for me, that immigrants are always second class citizens is does not apply to me. It is whatever you call yourself is what you are. I am a first class Canadian citizen, and I am a first class Nigerian citizen. citizen. Period. Thank you. Thank you. What you shared is really powerful. And I like that because I can also relate. I know a lot of people working with the government and they're all immigrants. Some of them are even PRs, like they're not yet citizens and they got the job. So that's correct. Yes. And about the second part of your question on whether I think immigrants thrive in Canada, I believe that that's even if it doesn't happen immediately, it will still happen. Hmm. So I think the difference is the pace. The pace may be different. Some people would have gotten six-figure jobs before they even leave Nigeria. I know people that they already got the jobs before landing. In short, the job paid for their flight ticket to come to Canada. Right. But that's not going to apply to everybody. Some of, some of us, like myself, will come in and start with customer care jobs, We'll start with administrative jobs, which I absolutely love. I wouldn't change anything because what I learned on those jobs, eh, hmm. I just have to pay my respect to anyone that's working in customer care and administrative services. Like, they are amazing. It is not an easy job. So everybody's space is different. So yes, I started with administrative, I started with customer care. But yeah, I am, right? I work with the federal government. And I have my law practice right. from 2018 to now. That's good. That's Some beautiful. people will spend 10 years and that's okay because that is their pace. So I believe that with focus and determination, you will thrive. The mm. only difference is when you thrive and your win is your win. Your pace is your pace. Thank you, Moyo. Thank you. This this looks like the last like the last comment 
I don't even want to ask you another question because I really love what you said. Now. Like, it's not about if you will try, it's about when. And exactly, you will, you will definitely thrive. Thank you. And you are the perfect definition of a thriving immigrant. And that's why we brought you on the show. Oh, to God. <laughs> well done. And you've not even started. Yes. So. Now, there's, an, there's a business side of you, which is interesting to me because I was like, okay, this woman has done really well in her career. And at what point did you decide to, have you always had the business side of you or what motivated you to set up your own office? I have always had the business side of me, but I don't know if it is in it. So the artistic side of me, I think it's in it. I think uh, I'm from a family that many of us have creative and artistic side. So I think maybe that's in the genes. But when it comes to the business side, I, I think it's the parenting. I think it's my, mm -hmm. my parents' amazing style of parenting and teaching us. Uh, when we were growing up, my 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 parents will come and say, you know what, me and, me and my siblings, we loved goody goody then. And <laughs> my parents will come and say, write two pages, write about the neighbors or write about your environment or something. Whoever wrote, writes the most interesting piece is going to get 50 naira or 10 naira. I don't remember at that point, but they had, you know, put money. It was like a carrot and the stick kind of thing. So right. we wanted to do it very easily. And this is a very, very long time ago. But I remember that I told my parents, I said, start selling ice block. I want to start selling ice water. I want to start selling pure water. <laughs> and this is, they, 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 I remember that it took a while for them to agree. And it's not because, it's not out of luck that I chose to. It was something when we go and make our hair, you know when you are young, we go and make our hair with someone. I was always hearing people complain and say, Kosia is water, rara. There's no cold water. There's no this. You know? And I'm like, but we, we always have like, okay, do you understand? And we, we always have like, so I went to my friends, I said, mommy, I want to start selling ice water. And daddy, I want to start selling pure water. <laughs> my parents were worried because at that point, we're not living in our own house. We're living in the landlord's house. And they were worried that, ah, Different different people have to be coming into the compound to come and buy it from this girl. Let's get permission from the landlord and things like that. So I think they, they went to the landlord and probably told him and said, we just for a short time. We just want to give her that opportunity to explore our entrepreneur side. And they did. And I enjoyed it. But I remember oh. maybe after after a few months, they said, Potito, these different people coming to come and press the bell every time. No, 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 no. It's enough. They encouraged me. They bought the liner for me. They bought the plastic for me. You need, I was, I took it so seriously. So mm. I, I believe it was how, how great the apprentice style was that made it for easy for me. I also remember the first time my mom took me to Dubai. She gave me money, told me to buy something that my, my friends in Queens College would need so that I can sell it to them. And so all these little things that they have done, they are planting little seeds in you that would end up blossoming, right? So I'm lucky, I'm blessed. I So I think that's where that entrepreneurship comes from. And that's why I'm here now with my law firm, Moose Law Office, as an entrepreneur. Yeah, so it's interesting, like, in, not pure water this time, but now you are selling your services. And it's a yeah. big lesson for me right now. What you just said is a big lesson. Being 
being intentional about what we teach our children and how we raise them unconsciously. Like, I'm not sure if your parents will remember this, because, but look at what you've become just by those experiences. Yes, yes, yes. And thanks to I, them. I'm, I'm, pick, I'm picking a lot from my parents' style. I, I'm mm. picking a lot from my parents' style. So sometimes when the kids are like, oh, I want to do lemonade, I want to do this. Let's do oh yeah, make the lemonade. Come and sell it to me. Come and pitch it to me. Why should I buy this? Wow. <laughs> my daughter just did a concussion of perfume. She did concussion. I said, I want my maybe perfume. I said, oh yeah, sell it to me. She tell me why I should buy this perfume for me. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I agree. Intentional parenting. Yeah. I, I think parents are the biggest or the closest influence to the children and if you if you don't get to do that they'll be influenced by the wrong person and that's why it's important for us to to keep doing the best to influence them positively okay interesting i didn't know that part of you or so not many people do <laughs> so apart from money what's what's I, I don't think that's right. Like money, I, I don't think money is your biggest motivator. But you've talked no, about it. Like, so what? What motivates you? What keeps you going every morning? Family first, and my thirst for knowledge. That's what I would say. Family hmm. keeps me motivated, and my thirst for knowledge. My my my. I want to know. My want to do more. I want to be more. You know, so I continue to stay motivated. When I'm down, I take care of myself. Everybody should right. remember to take self care. Take your take care of yourself. Self care. I know you are big on that because I see it. I see it on Instagram. Yeah, but push yourself. You you can you can do a lot. Hmm. You can do a lot if you set your mind to it. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. You are a mother of an author. How does that make you feel? And how, how was was the how did you guys come up with the book at that young age? And how do you feel about that? I feel absolutely amazing. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of my girl Kishi. She's she's very artistic. She's very creative. She's very how do I put it? Like from a very young age, she just takes the paper and she starts to shade. I'm like, what's this girl doing? She's drawing. She would just look at something on the screen and try to draw it. She's she has a very beautiful mind. And sometimes she would just say, Oh, I just imagined this. Oh, I just imagined this. So when COVID happened and they had to stay home before the online classes started and everything, um, my husband and I were like, you know what? Let's 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 kind of let the children have something they're going to do in this period. Now that they're not going to school, let them come up with something. Let's encourage them to do something. So we told her, you know, you're so good at so many things. Even I'm not really sure what you really want. She's good in science. She's good in math. She's good in creative. She So she plays the piano. So she's just, she likes art. She likes science. She likes everything. I'm like, okay, it's going to be your choice. What are you going to do during this COVID pandemic period? Because I want to see that you bettered something, not a child. <laughs> I want to see that you made something during this period. My my husband and I sat her down. We're like, you are, you're so talented. 
you're so good with many things, but come up with what you want to do yourself. You know, mm. come up with what you want to do yourself. And she she's always excited. She was very excited when I was making my movies. She would sometimes she'd be at the back, uh, the back end where we're watching the actors and actresses act. So she's been fascinated with it too. But she just she, she just came up with the idea that okay, I'll I'll do a book. And I said, ah, that's not easy, oh, but it's doable. So mm. I I started writing around my GS two between my GSS child, junior secondary school. I'm not sure exactly when, but my parents threw me into reading novels really fast. Jeffrey Archer, Sidney Sheldon, Daniel Steele, everything. So I was, I, I had such an imaginative mind. I think so wide, I think so weird. And so I could understand when she said, I have a lot of things in my head, but I don't know how to put it down. So I totally could relate to that. And so me and my husband started advising and saying, even if you take a pen and write one paragraph in a day, that is huge. If you start to put one paragraph a day down, it is huge. So she 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 really listened. Uh, that also encouraged her, myself, grandpa, grandma, everyone. Even short, when she writes a page, she would have sent it to grandpa before we that were in the house with herself, before we see it. You know, so we just kept encouraging her, and I was so shocked. I remember when I the first time I read her drafts, I was like, wow. <laughs> I wow. was like, ah, uh-uh. now me born this way, you know. I'm super proud. I'm excited about it. Um, I don't know whether she's going to be writing more books. She just, she, it seems like she's over it. She's like me, restless, start something, move on to the next. But um, I'm super excited at what she achieved at her age. So I'm really proud of that. And that yeah. book is on Amazon, guys. Go buy it. Yeah, what's the title of the book, please? The Story of the Missing Piece by Kishi Shoneye. Okay, so guys, please support your own. Get Kishi's book. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal to be an author. So even if she doesn't write any other book, nobody can take that away from her. And I'm proud of you too. Proud of what Thank she has you. done. Proud of the parents. And another yeah. lesson I learned is the bond with the grandparents, because that's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. You mentioned that, like, casually, but there must be a strong relationship for her to have gone beyond you to share what she's up to with her granddad. Mm -hmm. That's a big lesson. So I'm learning that from you, too. I work on mine. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So my last question for this episode would be, with what you know now, if we're going to come to Canada, like you're starting from the beginning, what would you do differently in your immigration journey? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe because, and maybe the reason I'm not sure is that I actually love where I am now and I feel like it worked out, right? But still, well, this is not something so serious. But I'm a shopaholic. I always have too much, too much LRU. They call me L- I always have load. I remember I spent so much money cargoing so many things to Canada. And on top of that, we had like how many luggage? We had so much luggage. In short, people were looking at us at the airport when we called me, like, Thank you. Really? Bringing the whole of Nigeria to Uganda. Like, what was going on? I'll do that again. Like, it's not less okay. than. And I don't think I can help it either. I probably would still happen. But mm-hmm. I, I just feel 
now that now that i know you know there's a lot of african stores and you can get a lot of things i wouldn't be so particular about bringing so many things in regards to the general immigration process i think my pace was just fantastic for me like i said I, I don't think I would change anything because I remember when I was going to Leicester, do, about to do my master's, I was somewhere, uh, I went to Sheraton then, I think um, some some universities and colleges from Canada came and, you know, they were recruiting students and, okay, one of them said they could offer a conditional acceptance at that point. But in my mind, I was like, ah, um, Canada is way, is, the distance is a lot more than going to UK so I opted for UK and that that really just shows that I really didn't have the intention to relocate at that point so if I sometimes I'll think and be like maybe I should have just gone to Canada I would have started as a student I would have been a citizen much earlier and things like that but when I look at the flip side of it so I'm like what did I lose nothing Not bad. so yeah. it comes back to your pace is your pace you know it's that's my this is my pace and I'm fine with it I'm satisfied with it so no no I don't really have anything I would change right thank you for sharing and it's good i know i understand the part of coming with load i think is is out of you, you are a mom you, you you came with all your three kids right yes yes so yeah there, there must be a level of anxiety like yes definitely let's just definitely. pack everything let's just be exactly <laughs> let's go with everything right so thank you so much for coming thank you for sharing your story you are a business owner and you have a unique service that you provide canada is opening their borders that's what i would say they are friendly to newcomers i think in recent times i've seen the, the trend is like they want more people to come into canada a lot of people want to come to canada they're not sure how to start they don't even know when which route some people are qualified for express entry but they just want to go through they don't they don't know so and this is where you come in how can people reach you what are the services you provide are you really big on the mental health law or currently you are on this immigration so in short sell your markets <laughs> i'm a i'm a dual qualified lawyer in nigeria and canada i'm an immigration lawyer who has personally been through the immigration process myself. So I can relate and I understand that it can be emotionally tasking. I don't sugarcoat. I am blunt. And I will tell you as it is so that you can mentally prepare for the journey. And so if you want undiluted truth, reach out to me. My uh, my my law office's name is Mo's Law Office. I have a website. It's moslawoffice.com. I have social media handles. It's Mo's Law Office. That's M-O-S, Law Office. I am currently practicing um, immigration. I do not service refugee law, and that's because of conflict, because I'm also currently an adjudicator at the Refugee Protection Board, Re Refugee Protection Division of the Immigration Refugee Board. So I don't do any legal services around um, refugees for now uh and also mental health that you talked about i've always been fascinated about health law but i think mental health has a special place for me because i really can't even say i'm just extra empathetic towards vulnerable people so 
I just feel the need to help and assist and like just be there. And when it comes to my clients, the feedback or the reviews I get from my mental health clients, it means so, so, so much to me because you can really see the genuinity, like them saying that, okay, I really appreciate how you advocated for me during this hearing. Even if we don't get a positive result, I feel satisfied because I saw how you advocated for me and it shows that you really care about your clients and we're not just the file number to you. So those things are big deals to me because for me, I feel like at every point, there's there's going to be a point in almost everyone's life that mental health is going to be an issue. So I just look at it as just help as much as you can, you know, help people, ask how they are faring, check on your friends. Check. You don't need to do too much. Send a text message to your friend. If you know that they have issues, speak with them. Sometimes some people just want to onboard in and unload. Take care of yourself too, you know, take care of your mental health. Stay away from negativity. I mean, I know I've moved on to now preaching mental health rather than selling myself, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it shows how passionate you are about it. And I'm, I'm really excited about what you are doing. You are really helping the community. And to be honest, the journey of an immigrant requires mental strength. Because, <laughs> let me just conclude like that. Yeah, yeah so. so strength. You, you need to be better. I mean, strong. a lot of people are leaving their family back home, right? A lot of people have their parents that are now aging, you know, so far away. Right. And it's not easy at all. It's not easy at all. Someone was telling me that all, all our siblings are in different countries and their parents are in Nigeria. And so sometimes she just wonders, like, this is not fair. This is not what we really would want, ideally. We all want to be in the same country, in the same place, but that's not what, what it is. So it's, 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 it takes a mental toll sometimes. Yeah, that's correct. That's the reality of most people. Like you have your siblings scattered all over the world, and I hope everyone gets fulfillment at the end of their journey. I hope so too. 